Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, October 29th, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adioye Jr. Joining me is your friendly neighborhood, Janet Garcia. Yo, what's good? Not much, Janet. Just having a regular Friday. Just having a regular Friday. How about you? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's, it's business as usual here. I'm not going to front, though. I've been looking forward to this for like a really long time. Honestly, it's crazy how it's, it's crazy how things happen. Because we've had this plan in the works. And I know for audio listeners, you're probably wondering, why does Blessing sound muffled? Don't tell them. Don't tell them. They should I, I'm not going to tell you why. I'm, all, all I'm going to say is that you should tap over to the video version to see what's going on here. Of course, we're doing uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily on the Friday, on the, on the final uh, weekday of October. And so we had to do it up big. We had to do, we had to do something special. And uh, fun fact, me and Planet, me, me and Planet, me and Janet have had these plans. Hey, <laughs> me and Planet, me and Janet have had these plans going for a while which is, hey, we want to do something special for Halloween. We want to do a joint costume. And originally, we'll peek behind the curtain, originally we were going to do something for PS I Love You. But because the way uh, uh, shipping works and because of the way that there have been delays with the pandemic and all these things, I wasn't able to get my costume until literally yesterday. But it all works out, Janet, because let me tell you, today's Kind of Funny Games Daily, the lead news story is Marvel-related. And so, like, hey, we got we got Greg Miller in the sky looking down on us, looking out for us. He's not dead, but rest in peace anyway. <laughs> for sure. Janet, I'm very excited to do this, but I will say I do have to take off this mask yeah, because I literally... cannot do the whole show like this. I was telling you beforehand that uh, I can't see shit on my screen. I cannot read with this mask on. So I'm going to take this mask off. Oh, my God. I have to. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. Oh, I can breathe now. This is like the big un unveiling of our identities right yeah it's like civil war where it's like you know what? i'm gonna come out i'm gonna reveal God. to the world who i am my secret identity my secret identity <laughs> just like civil war just like civil war right. janet i'm very excited to talk about some video game news because today's stories include a new marvel game from skydance what's going on at ubisoft and more because this is kind of funny games daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong if you don't want to watch live you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosty.com or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you right after this episode of kind of funny games daily we're battling it out for CEO of Kind of Funny, it's a big day of content. It's a special day of content. We're not we're 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 going out of October with a bang. Uh, right after this stream, or right after this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily Live, uh, we are playing some Mario Party Superstars. It's going to be me, Nick, Tim, and Snow Michael, uh, Michael battling for the title of CEO since Greg is gone with his baby. Uh, and that's going down right here on Twitch.tv/slash Kind of Funny Games, and of course later on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Plays. It's part one of a saga. Of course, that's going to continue into next week as other members of the kind of funny squad battle it out uh and we meet in the finals and i'll tell you right now the, the finals uh to give another peek behind the curtain right me and me and nick are gonna meet in the finals me and nick are some mario party gods you know i had a very fun time the last time me and nick played some mario party and uh, Wait, i look forward it's like to mostly chance based mm. yeah but we have good luck we have really good luck oh okay well there you go no no way i kind of funny has luck like me and nick. that before and skill like here's the thing i started playing a little bit of mario party superstars last night and one they nailed it. I can't believe how good this game is. And we'll pro we'll probably talk about this on like a Gamescast or something. But uh, as somebody who I love the N64 and I love Mario Party for the N64, I was hit with a wave of nostalgia as I booted up this game. I'm very excited to get into it and play some of those uh, old school mini games that I, I love and adore for Mario Party Superstars. But of course, that's happening in about an hour or so. And so look forward to that. 
But for now, let me remind you that the finale episode of the Arkham Files premieres this Sunday on Halloween at 2.30 p.m. Pacific time on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Uh, so join Barrett as he talks about Arkham Knight and he's Barrett's literally typing this out as I'm reading this, by the way, uh, and how it's a masterpiece. You got to type faster, Barrett. You got to type faster. Masterpiece yeah. of an ending for the Arkham trilogy. Oh, but I, I, I think that's the end. I think that's the end. Yeah, our, our Arkham go. Knight is the, is the masterpiece of an ending for the Arkham trilogy. You got to put a period in there, Barrett. Uh, but yeah, go check that out. That's, of course, happening Sunday. Is wrapping up his Arkham series. Get hyped for that. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Pranksy and Blackjack. Today, we're brought to you by DoorDash, DraftKings, and Liquid IV. But we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Oprah Report. It's time for some news. We have six stories today. Oh, Baker's dozen. Starting with our number one, of course, like I said earlier, Greg Miller in the sky just came down and blessed us with the news that we're going to be getting a new Marvel game. Uh, I'm pulling from a press release released by Skydance titled Skydance New Media joins forces with Marvel Entertainment to create an all new interactive title. The press release reads like this. Skydance New Media, the new interactive division of Skydance Media, owned by award-winning writer and director Amy Hennig, announced today a partnership with Marvel Entertainment to develop a narrative-driven blockbuster action-adventure game featuring a completely original story and take on the Marvel Universe. This marks the first initiative from the new AAA game studio, which is formed by Amy Hennig uh, and electronic arts veteran Julian Beek to pioneer a new category of story-focused interactive entertainment, a groundbreaking convergence of games, film, and television. Quote, I can't imagine a better partner than Marvel for our first game, said Hennig, president of Skydance New Media. She continues, the Marvel Universe epitomizes all the action, mystery, and thrills of the pulp action-adventure genre that I adore and lends itself perfectly to an interactive experience. It's an honor to be able to tell an original story with all the humanity, complexity, and humor that makes Marvel characters so enduring and to enable our players to embody these, these heroes that they love, end quote. Quote, Amy has been setting the bar for narrative adventure games for decades, and we are happy to be collaborating with the talented and experienced new media team at Skydance, said Jay Ong, executive vice president and head of Marvel Games. They continue, their ambition and vision for making innovative entertainment using beloved Marvel IP was obvious from our first meeting. We're excited to share more with Marvel fans when the time is right, end quote. To create, to create this all-new interactive experience, Skydance New Media has assembled an accomplished crew of developers with decades of AAA experience in action and adventure gaming, as well as a diverse team of creative consultants from the worlds of film, television, and comics. The Skydance New Media team is laser-focused on creating high-fidelity, richly interactive experiences crafted for traditional gaming platforms, as well as emerging streaming services, and designed to be appealing, inviting, and accessible to a global audience. Uh... That's the end of the press release, but I'm going to pull in an excerpt from Rebecca Valentine over at IGN. As a reminder, if you're if you're new to the space or you're unaware of Amy Hennig, uh, this is what Rebecca has to say to, to catch you up. Skydance's new division is an experienced uh, is an experienced hands with Hennig, who is best known as writer and director of the Uncharted games at Naughty Dog and for her work on other franchises like Jack and Daxter, Legacy of Kane with Crystal Dynamics and others. She departed Naughty Dog in 2014 to work on a Star Wars project at Visceral Games until until the studio closed in 2017. Janet Garcia, there's a lot there to dig into. This seems like a huge announcement. Where's your where's your head at with this? Uh, I'm just excited that Amy Hennings is involved. I mean, I think that's like her background and expertise is I don't want to say unparalleled because there's a lot of talented people in the industry, but like definitely someone that you want to have on your team with just like a slew of experience across a lot of genres. And the idea, again, the action adventure expertise, I think is going to hit really well with this Marvel stuff. I think too, we, I think are approaching where like Marvel IP related games are really going to be, you know, fire. I feel like we yeah. got that way with movies as well, where like a lot of the older, like general comic book movies were, they were good at the time, and then looking back, it's kind of like, oh, eh, maybe they weren't that great. And but the ones I think in the the modern era definitely speak to more like 
these are just straight up good films that have great stories and fun action adventure. Um, and I think games is kind of approaching the same way. I mean, we've definitely seen IPs get used in really like great ways with stuff like Spider-Man. Right. But I think, you know, Marvel's Avengers, it had its ups and downs, right? A little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, Guardians is getting pretty good reviews. I know you said that one was a pretty solid campaign and that was a, a much more like good campaign than something like Marvel's Avengers. So I feel like if we keep kind of running down that line, obviously different teams and stuff. So it is a little bit apples and oranges in that sense. But I feel like gaming is finally getting its footing with what to do with these IPs. And the idea of having this be an original story is really exciting to me because I think one issue we've seen is uh, games maybe trying too hard to like replicate the other media that we have associated with the IP and that kind of being a mixed bag as well. So yeah, I, I really want to see what this is. I think the team behind it seems really, you know, knowledgeable and I think it has a good shot of being really good. Yeah. We'll I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for it. I think, you know, it in terms of Marvel games seem like they're going to be a staple, right? And I think they're finding very solid footing. I know we've had some hiccups mainly with Marvel's Avengers, but I will say the thing about Marvel's Avengers that, leads into the conversation around marvel games being a a more positive thing than negative thing is at the very least marvel marvel's avengers had a triple a scope and vision that i think was somewhere in line with okay i see what you're going for here right like the execution wasn't all the way there and that game continues to get updates and slowly we'll see if it gets to a place where imran khan will eventually call that game good uh but for where we're at right now with marvel games i think we're in a very po promising place looking at the last few years of content right and i think i think a lot of that is highlighted by marvel spider-man in miles morales i think you look at that and you have such a perfect pairing of an ip and a studio and you don't make that decision accidentally, right? That is somebody over at Marvel Games having the vision, understanding the games industry, understanding, hey, what works well with RIP? Hey, what what are the what are the, the places that we need to experiment or fuck around with and figure out how to make this thing work? I kind of understand how you look at Marvel's Avengers and go, okay, how do we make this a multiplayer game? How do we make, it, make this an online co-op game? Uh, but I also I also love that you can get something like that and like allow it to to come out in fail quite a bit uh and and, and still kind of like try and get its footing all that stuff but you, you can also have something like guardians of the galaxy which comes out and is something that is unexpected in terms of oh you're putting out a guardians of the galaxy game that is single player and linear and seems like it's kind of a midway point between a naughty dog game and kind of like a bioware game okay let's see how this works uh, and we see those trailers and leading up to the release of guardians of the galaxy a lot of us go Mm, this looks rough this looks weird i don't know i don't know about this but that game comes out and for the most part it's really solid right like that game comes out and it's really good the the polish is there the uh characters are there we talk about original stories and that the the a lot of the characters in this guardians of the galaxy game that just came out are characters that i like even more than the mcu versions and that is high praise because the mcu guardians of the galaxy is you know held up as oh this is our guardians of the galaxy this is something that's special the fact that the game can come through and carve its own identity and be its own thing and be really solid and have uh, uh, fun gameplay and have fun characters, I think is a testament to, okay, Marvel Marvel games have a vision and they kind of know what they're doing in terms of pairing in these developers with these IP. You have something else like Marvel uh, Midnight Suns that looks really cool that is coming out next year that is more of a strategy XCOM style game for Marvel. And that makes me really excited because it makes me think, oh, these guys, these guys are, are, looking looking at the game space in a way that feels beyond oh we got to make a guardians game oh we got to make a spider-man game oh we got to make an avengers game it does feel like a hey how do we do this in a thoughtful way and so even with something like wolverine uh from insomniac i cannot wait for that because i think that is such a really that is such a cool pairing of dev and ip and it makes me really wonder what is skydance going to do right what is this amy hennig marvel game what character are they going to uh, mess around with because we're starting to like hit that point of okay we've gotten We've gotten multiple Spider-Man games, and Insomniac, they're they're the they're the the, the arbiters now of Spider-Man, right? Like they're the ones that are gonna do that. We've gotten Avengers, we have Ultimate Alliance, we have uh an announced Wolverine game, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, Janet, for you, is there any Marvel hero that you think or that you want from Skydance and Amy Hennig Studio? When I think about the ones I'm most intrigued by, I definitely go back to the shows that have been on Disney Plus because like I, like many people, have been consuming those kind of religiously <laughs> like even when even when i don't like them that much i'm just like i'm here every day when it comes out whenever you know every week when it comes out um but then i'm trying to think of like who i'd actually want to play as you know they use like phrases like you know action mystery thrill pulp adventure um obviously amy's also known for like the narrative element of those adventure games 
it's because like i think of stuff like you know loki was i was really drawn to that but i'm like i don't think i'd want to i don't know that i'd want to play as loki i mean obviously a good game's a good game but i kind of struggle to imagine how that what that gameplay would be like i'm kind of thinking hawkeye because i feel like that would be make for fun gameplay and i think there are i know hawkeye gets dragged a lot for being like uh like i don't know kind of the punching bag yeah. of mcu hawkeye i know yeah, people so love comic book hawkeye Yes, because like, you know, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, freaking awesome, super fun. And I think if you can, I feel like one of the problems, quote unquote, with Hawkeye or why Hawkeye is perceived that way, besides the fact that like, you know, ability wise, he's a, a bit less impressive than everybody else. There hasn't really been like a lot of, you know, fleshing out of the narrative there. So I feel like there's a lot of potential to bring that into like another medium outside of the comics. And obviously there is going to be like the Marvel show that's dropping um, this holiday season. I think during Thanksgiving, uh, the Hawkeye show comes out. But I think that kind of can get gritty can get playful which is kind of you know i feel like amy henning's sort of narrative bag is between those two things like balancing those two elements so i feel like that's that's the first thing i think of of what i might want to play as but what about you is there a marvel character or well, not storyline because it's going to be original story but mm -hmm. that you think would do well for something like this i i like that you mentioned hawkeye because hawkeye is a character that is in the avengers the avengers video game uh and my one of my first thoughts was captain america and one of the things i was trying to resolve was would they do that would they double dip in that way and i think the answer is yes given that we're gonna get spider-man in the avengers game and so i think that alone kind of tells us that okay that just because a character is in the avengers video game or if they're in ultimate alliance or whatever else doesn't mean that they're not going to be willing to do something full on with that character and so captain america comes to mind uh and i, I and i it's that thing of my mind does the thing where I try to connect Uncharted to what character would fit in an Uncharted style game just because it's Amy Hennig. I know that's not necessarily going to be the case that she's going to go that direction because not every, nobody wants to make the same game over and over again. But Captain America comes to mind for me uh, first. Hawkeye did come to mind for me. Uh, Black Panther comes to mind for me as well. I would really love a, a Black Panther game. One of the things I go back to in uh, this press release that they mentioned, uh, uh, Amy here says, it's an honor to be able to tell an original story with all the humanity, complexity, and humor that makes Marvel characters. And like one of the things that came to mind for me as well was Blade. But like, I, I think the thing I come back to is, does, are we going to get a game that does have more of a humorous character? Are we going to get a game with more of a light vibe? And does that dis dis discount characters like a Blade or characters like a Daredevil as well, which I would love a Daredevil video game. Uh, I think that would be dope. That would be, if I had like one request for a Marvel game, I think at this point it might be Daredevil. Um, but when you look at that statement, does that remove those types of characters? I feel like all those, all the Marvel characters can kind of land here. Like that's sort of Marvel's thing, right? Where they have... Marvel's always had humor, you know, whether or not it's funny is up for debate, but they've always, you know, that's always been part of how they tell stories. And I think as far as humanity and complexity, that's a pretty like chill catch all, because I think if you're ever, you know, going through themes like love and loss and triumph, like those are all dealing with the humanity and complexity of like those characters. I think Ant-Man would be kind of oh that'd be really cool honestly because when i was when i thought hum humanity complexity and humor i did think ant-man um but again any of these characters i think can can fit into that because they've all been some form of exploration of that you know whether you think of like the goofiest character or the most serious character like they all have some elements of those shades so i feel like you can do a lot with that you can kind of especially if you're like going to tell an original story and you can kind of take it whatever way you want to but yeah that's that's one that comes to mind because again there's characters that i really like like people in the chat were mentioning dr strange and i think dr strange is awesome but i'm like i don't know what a dr strange game would you know yeah would look like and if that would be fun to play if we're thinking of this being more of like an, an action adventure um you know kind of fun tale in that sense like i think yeah. it would be kind of in that vein just based on this language and then you know heading's background as well but people uh, yeah. people in chat have also mentioned mentioned things like iron man which i think would what could be a good fit too especially i think tony stark's character lends to amy hennig's writing right I, tony stark is a character that I, I i i would think you would be able to imbue a lot of nathan drake's like attitude charm and humor into I think something like that could be fun. And the thing I, I try to think of is with the direction that we've gotten so far with the big AAA uh, Marvel games, we've gotten Spider-Man. We've gotten uh, 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 Guardians of the Galaxy, right? We've gotten Avengers. These are things that I think have big ties to 
the MCU, and not necessarily in the way that, oh, we want to make games that are inspired by the MCU, but more so in the way that, okay, what are our most popular IP right now that we can, we can take advantage of the popularity? So I think with that, Ant-Man is a really good poll. Um, Ant-Man like has a has a, a movie coming out uh, coming out soon, or at least like in the next couple of years, right? Quantum Mania, and I think playing off of that could be a really cool thing that could lend to really good timing. Um, but then like you know, I look at other uh, other characters, and would you want to make a um, a Captain America game based off of the new Captain America now? Like, could that could that be a fun direction to take that? I think now with how the MCU is kind of splitting into like these different directions, could you even make an Eternals game or a Shang-Chi game? You know, we didn't even mention Shang-Chi. I would be all about a Shang-Chi video sure. game. Uh, sky's the limit, in no pun intended. Sky's the limit in terms of what Skyhands can uh, uh, can do in terms of the different characters that they can work with. But either way, I'm really excited for this. I the fact that they are um, they mentioned AAA, they mentioned the the, the people that they're getting it, they're getting uh, onto the team. The fact that they're mentioning consulting with people who who have worked in TV, comic books, and movies, like I got trust in this, and I'm actually really excited for what this is going to be. Yeah, same. Jan, I want to pull in, pull in a quick question from Bander SN, who wrote into patreoncom games, just like you can, and says, "Hey, blessing Janet, happy Halloween and awesome costumes." Which is a great comment because you did not see our costumes before you wrote this. We could have been wearing terrible costumes, but I love the trust nonetheless. Appreciate the trust, SN. yes. Marvel has just announced their collaboration with Amy Hennig's new team, a AAA story-driven action adventure game. Sounds to me like a PlayStation game. Do we think PlayStation will be getting any sort of exclusivity for this title? And what Marvel character do we think will lead this project? If it's a if it's a if it's a Amy Amy Hennig game, uh, then perhaps a more grounded hero like Black Widow or a mutant like Rogue or Ma Magneto. Who do you want? Thanks for taking the question. And we kind of already talked about that second part, but I want to focus in on. Do we think this game gets any sort of exclusivity on a PlayStation or even an Xbox? Because I feel like PlayStation, we've we've gotten like an exclusive PlayStation Marvel games. Do you think or do you see any deal happening with this game to get it on certain platforms? Um, I, I feel like, I mean, it's so tough to say because we're really like trying to conspiracy theory tad and project like what business goes on behind the scenes. But I feel like they probably would want it to be multi-platform just from like, you know, the fact of getting more people to play it and i feel like given the sort of expertise and star power of the team that they would probably be able to do that okay i imagine if there's something playstation related it would be more of like uh, again if it's like a more like a single player kind of story i don't really see them doing that you know with marvel's avengers they had that deal where what was it like spider-man came to yeah. the game like it's a coming year to earlier yeah it's like they they had some layer of that i could see something like that maybe but even then you know that might be kind of weird if it's like a single player thing maybe there's like exclusive dlc or some type of skin or some type of bonus or perk or something like that i could maybe see that but i feel like they they would want it to be multi-platform um you know yeah i that's kind of what i lean on i definitely think like game pass would be like a viable route for like really any game like we've seen plenty of like big deal games come to game pass at least eventually probably not I, I maybe maybe day and day right if they they had some type of deal but um mm. yeah that's that's what i imagine they would want to do that they'd want more reach than not and then maybe down the line it could settle into like an exclusive deal um just because it's just out the gate and i feel like also i mean it's not that you can never have too much stuff right but like playstation already has like some elements of that which just make it a good fit but i feel like i imagine they would want to be multi-plat yeah i i think for marvel games Marvel Games is pretty smart about how they they've been approaching uh, this like drip feed of giving different publishers different games, and I I think one multi platform is good for sales, right? It's good for getting more people access to the game, and you want people to be able to like a, a, as a third party um, uh, uh, IP, you want people to be able to get their hands on a thing right whether it is to hype hype that thing up in general right like not only do you want the guardians of the galaxy game to do well you want the guardians of the galaxy ip to thrive and live between the game the mcu the comics and everything and i think part of the way you do that is by getting the game in the most hands as possible and so i think with that i would say yeah they're probably th thinking multi-platform with this and then also I, I would think that for something like this if you're going to announce this game you're early on going to talk about what platforms is going to be on. I don't think you release this press release without mentioning, hey, by the way, this is going to be a PlayStation game, especially for Amy Hennig, who already had a pass with PlayStation. You know, I don't think she leaves PlayStation, goes to other publishers and tries to start her own thing 
and then go back to working on a PlayStation exclusive game. I don't think for Amy Hennig, uh, her leaving PlayStation is her going, I want to speak to a wider audience. I want to, I want to chart my own path. No, no pun intended. I want to do my own thing. Right. Like, I think, I think that is the more of the thought process and methodology to it. And I would not expect this to be a, 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 um, exclusive game, at least to PlayStation. I could see an argument for, Hey, Xbox could use an exclusive Marvel game because PlayStation has theirs with with all the Spider-Man games and Wolverine now. Uh, uh, Nintendo has theirs with uh, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance. Um, and they also have, like, I know this is different teams, but they also have the upcoming Star Wars game that is going to be exclusive to uh, Switch, which I know is coming to Mobiles as well. But you have that too. Xbox, I think, is kind of the odd man out in terms of not really having, like, they have the Indiana Jones game um, that uh, uh, Machine Games is working on. But, like, for the most part, I think... I could I could see the potential of Marvel games approaching an Xbox and going, hey, like you, we we want to do something with you guys to help like cement that. Hey, wherever you go, we have a Marvel game for you. Um, I think there there could be an argument there, but I also doubt it. Just in the fact that based off this announcement, I would think multi-platform. This strikes me as something that you want to get everywhere. Yeah, Janet. We spent a while talking about this Marvel game, which I love because I'm I, I'm totally about that. I'm, that's a, that's a really fun conversation to have. Let's have. An interesting conversation about a company called Ubisoft with story number two. I, I'm posing story number two as more of a question, right? And I call it the ever-relevant question. What is going on at Ubisoft? This is a two-part news story uh, by two reports written by Rebecca Valentine over at IGN. Shout out to Rebecca Valentine for holding this uh, episode on her shoulders. Uh, I'm going to start with... 2A, which is Ubisoft has quietly delayed Tom Clancy's The Division Heartland. Again, I'm pulling from Rebecca Valentine at IGN. You'd be forgiven if, glancing through Ubisoft's earnings announcements today, you didn't immediately catch on to yet another game delay stealthily snuck in. It's Tom Clancy's The Division Heartland. When free-to-play Heartland was first announced back in May of this year, it was given a broad release window of sometime either this year or next year. Just a few days later, Ubisoft clarified uh, that a bit to fiscal 2021 to 2022, meaning the period from April 2021 running up to March 2022. Heartland skipped E3 earlier this year, and Ubisoft seemed quiet uh, on it during its last quarterly earnings, leaving some wondering if it wasn't about time to start showing the game off a bit more, uh, if it was indeed coming this fiscal year. Turns out, it's not. Ubisoft's latest quarterly earnings uh, report stated that Heartland would join Prince of Persia and Rocksmith Plus in the following fiscal year running from April 2022 to March of 2023. Notably, both Prince of Persia and Rocksmith have, at uh, at last report, uh, been scheduled for some time in calendar 2022. We haven't heard specific word on whether these will edge back further into 2023, but Ubisoft does appear to be giving itself some wiggle room there. Now, that is new story 2A, and I'm going to jump into 2B, but I want to give a breather because 2B is, is going to be a long read because it is Rebecca Valentine diving into, all right, what's going on? Let's talk about Ubisoft. But before we do that, Janet, does this delay do anything for you? Were you anticipating the Division Heartland? What are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm not personally too invested in the, the Division Heartland as a game. Like, it's not a game I was looking forward to. But I do think that there's kind of been a lot going on with Ubisoft as your, your question sort of couches as far as there's like a lot of content, but then also a lot of like delayed content. And then also um, a lot of mess going on behind the scenes in terms of like the actions of the company, the perception of the company based on those actions uh, and all of that stuff. So it's been I don't know. It's been kind of like a rough time. But I also feel like when was Ubisoft Exact. I guess Ubisoft does occasionally have like a really great hit, but it is sort of like a mixed bag studio in a sense. Um, I feel like you always know what kind of game you're getting, but it's rarely one that like necessarily blows you away. So that's kind of where I land with it. Yeah, this is one that I, I I know Greg Miller was kind of looking forward to this just because Greg Miller loves Division so much. And, you know, I think Division fans are just are always down for new content. Uh, and the idea of a free to play Division game, I think struck as interesting at the very least you know it's kind of a okay let's see where this thing goes like i could see that game being free to play but you know what what is that going to be what is that going to going to entail we'll see um but to get in to story 2b uh ubisoft insists all is well despite delays allegations and hazy projections again this is rebecca valentine at ign and strap in because it's gonna be a longer read even as Ubisoft released several well-received blockbuster games in the last few years, the French-Canadian company has nonetheless been having a time of it. First, and most importantly, there have been ongoing allegations of toxic work culture, leadership, and sexual harassment at the studio first publicized last year. This was reinvigorated in light of similar allegations at Activision Blizzard and accusations that Ubisoft hadn't done enough in the past year to fix the company's culture. 
Then there are all the delays. Ubisoft has been delaying multiple games repeatedly on an annual basis for some time now. There was Rainbow Six Extraction, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, and Watch Dogs Legion delayed back in 2019. And then Extraction was delayed again after that. There's Riders Republic's many delays, Far Cry 6 that got pushed an entire fiscal year, Avatar, the endless treadmill of Skull and Bones delays, and the Prince of Persia remake multiple times. Ghost Recon Frontline got announced earlier this month, but its beta was delayed not a week after that announcement. For the most part, we're not clear exactly why all these delays are happening, though a Kotaku report from July looked into what's going on with Skull and Bones specifically, reportedly a development mess where no one seemed to know what kind of game they were making and the team was burning out. Then there's the more uh, minor matter of the free-to-play question, which seems to have ruffled public and investor feathers. Over the last few earnings calls, Ubisoft has expressed a, des a desire to move away from its commitment to release, uh, releasing between three and four AAA titles each fiscal year and stated a strong interest in more free-to-play games. That's a lot. Anyway, that's the atmosphere going, going into Ubisoft's Q2 earnings report today, and it certainly felt like the company was playing defense. Sure, numbers-wise, things look fine enough, even if Ubisoft gave a few interesting specifics. Net bookings were up 14% from last year, that's $458.1 million, and sales were up 21% to $465.6 million. We got some vague metrics on recent games, such as Assassin's Creed Valhalla, touted as the quote, second largest profit generating game in Ubisoft history in less than 12 months, end quote. And Far Cry 6's early sales reportedly in line with Assassin's Creed Odyssey's around the same time. A number we don't have, uh, it had sold 10 million copies between October 2018 and March 2020. There were other bits. Uh, the Crew 2's engagement is doing well, rising 70% from what it was two years ago. It launched in 2018, and its revenue is up 53% from then. The Just Dance franchise has now sold 80 million lifetime units, and apparently people are picking up Far Cry 3 and 5, in part due to interest around Far Cry 6, though exactly how many people are unclear. But beyond that, beyond, Ubisoft's presentation largely felt like an attempt at reassurance amid a pile of negative headlines. For one, its earning rele earnings release included a lengthy quote about the, quote, evolution of HR organization and its attempts to make, quote, incremental and meaningful progress, end quote, on, on improving company culture, especially through Ubisoft's employee resource groups and a closer look at creative content. Notably, none of the investors on the call asked about this issue. CEO Yves Gilmont uh, also felt the need to reassure everyone once again that yes, Ubisoft is in the business of premium AAA games despite its sudden sur surge of free-to-play interest. Its earnings release pointed out that 80% of Ubisoft's investments are focused on expanding premium offerings, and during the call, at one point, an investor was reassured that Assassin's Creed Infinity was not going to be free-to-play, but would have significant story-focused content, though the game is, a, is still a ways off. But while the public might have balked at a perceived increase in free-to-play, this wasn't what was bothering investors. What came up again and again on the call was the issue of free-to-play games getting delayed or releasing and not doing as well as Ubisoft hyped them up to be. Now, Rebecca's article does go on, and I encourage everybody to go over to IGN, give them a click, read the full article, because there's even way more to dig into in terms of the story of Ubisoft. But, Janet, with everything I just read and everything that we've gone through in the last few years with Ubisoft... Where are you at with Ubisoft as a company? Like, does this strike you as anything to be curious or interested or worried about? Or do you look at all this and go, eh? I mean, I think definitely I'm the allegations element and the toxicity of the culture is certainly alarming and, and troubling. I think we've seen that, you know, come to light from several places, as Rebecca mentions, uh, bringing up the... Uh, allegations Activision Blizzard and that's sort of be creating a little, little bit of a resurgence in that conversation surrounding Ubisoft. So that's definitely kind of, I think, the most negative element here um, and the most like problematic in terms of how will you, you know, foster, uh, you know, pushing the industry forward while also having like all these other elements at play. And obviously, like, I imagine it must be difficult to do high quality work under um, those conditions, like, you know, some that's pretty much the the biggest thing that strikes me and also I re the skull and bones thing though i have no idea what's up with that and i totally for like i continuously forget that that game even exists though i guess you can kind of debate how much it exists or not but yeah that that is a bit troubling and then i think as far as delays and everything as this kind of hint at it's been going on for a while so i'm i wonder if that's just kind of par for the course that's normally how things go they've maybe struggled to properly scope or project 
the releases and how long things will take or whether that's like a testament to a larger issue like is that sort of just how y'all are because you have so and ubisoft puts out a lot of stuff too so like it's interesting looking back at this and seeing oh wow like rainbow six immortals phoenix rising you know watchdogs legion like all of those went through these delays and like for all of far cry's delays but you know far cry came out and it was pretty positively received i thought it was a pretty solid project and you know as it mentioned it's drummed up excitement for like the other far cry games too so at, it's weird because while there are like these issues in getting things out the door seemingly based on just having all these delays like a lot of times when the projects are out the door they're like pretty solid or at least what what one would expect from, again, a Ubisoft game, a Far Cry game, what have you. So I'm sort of mixed on like what this means for the future of the company. I'm not necessarily concerned with their ability to produce like solid up to high quality projects, but I think it does maybe speak to a little bit of a floundering on what their vision is and how they're going to like drive success within their company based on that vision. Yeah, I think... I'm I'm split between two ways when it comes to Ubisoft. I think it is a mixture of it's it's funny because I think it's a mixture of two things. I think Ubisoft is kind of a company that is having an identity crisis currently where when it comes to all the bullshit that's gone on in the company, right? Like they mentioned all the the sexual harassment stuff that's been going on, the toxic work culture, uh the leadership and all that stuff. And so much of that stuff through the last couple of years of that stuff coming out and Ubisoft wrestling with it and trying and, and seemingly at the same time feeling to really deal with it is leading to a lot of like all right like how does that how, how do we do this right how like how do we do this and at the same time continue to put out like our games in ways that feel any sort of interesting or innovative or uh, or like just i guess purely interesting right because one of the things that we talk about a lot with ubisoft or that we have talked about with ubisoft in the last few years is their uh they have a team called the editorial team and that team is responsible for basically the ideas right this is the team that uh, uh decides the direction of games decides the games that are uh, uh greenlit or at least like decides a lot of the creative this is what this game is going to be or this is the type of game that this is going to be and that was a team that had a big shakeup in terms of it coming out how non-diverse that team was and then ubisoft saying hey we're reforming this team we're we're getting in uh fresh ideas and fresh voices into this team it then coming out that they did not do that and then i believe since then there have been like even more efforts of okay no okay we'll, we're doing it now and it, that a lot of the conversation around that team and ubisoft in general has been ubisoft is a company that rests a lot on their laurels and doesn't really do much to shake up their formula and i think over time that has gotten stale as well there was a fun post show that me and you janet we did i think it was last week that we did it where we were talking about what companies are the rappers of like that of the games industry right and like when we got to ubisoft the argument that i made was that ubisoft was drake and that's me not that's me not saying and this is going to work for only a portion of our audience though, so i apologize for this but that's not to say that drake is bad or that ubisoft is bad at making games right i love drake drake is one of my is one of my favorites but drake in recent years hadn't made, hasn't made an album that has made me go oh greatest album of all time drake's an artist that's been making the same album for the last decade drake is an artist that rests on his laurels drake makes the same music over and over again and puts it out and it's like solid music it's fine music but it does, doesn't make us go crazy like the chemical mars of the world and all, all these other things right ubisoft strikes me as that same thing ubisoft has been making the same game for the last 10 years like even playing riders republic i enjoy riders republic but like even that game as an extreme sports game where you're you're doing like a lot of like downhill races you're doing a lot of trick battles you're doing all these uh uh, uh cool extreme sports -ish, ish stuff right it still has a lot of the same mechanics that you would find in assassin's creed in terms of like clearing out the icons in your open world like ex uncovering the map like there's a similar level of i think even jank in the movement that i would get out of playing something like watchdogs legion like i feel like a lot of it is copy and paste from that into this game which is wild because it's a completely different type of game but somehow it's the same type of game at the same time like i think ubisoft ubisoft struggles with doing that and sometimes that works for them in the case of assassin's creed valhalla being super successful far cry 6 being successful right like they're they're reporting good numbers on a lot of these big games that we know are ubisoft's drivers in terms of in, in terms of revenue but at the very same time i think that does lead to other things like a lot of these announcements and a lot of these games not hitting hyperscape came out that last year do you remember that janet hyperscape <laughs> came out last year when was the last time you heard about hyperscape Nobody uh, talks about Hyperscape the, anymore. When people did the reviews for Hyperscape, like it's <laughs> probably the last time. I, Hyperscape came out. Do you remember? You remember just what two months ago? Maybe it was a month ago. I don't remember at this point where they announced um, X Defiant. 
Was that what that game was called? Was it X Define or X Deviant? Th- One of those. It was something. It was. It was a. Uh, it had like a really difficult to remember name. But yeah, like I mean, yeah. they take they take a lot of shots. <laughs> I think and like a lot of these shots miss. Well, it's yeah, so but like I don't know. They're big enough that it doesn't really matter. And I think even like a miss. It's well, obviously they sh- they have some like financial misses as like you know Rebecca's reporting kind of discusses of investors kind of having this the vibe of hey like some of these releases aren't as didn't end up being as wavy as like y'all hype them up to be though obviously everyone like when people put out projects they think that they're good like every bad game that you've played you know obviously it's always like a subjective thing but every bad game you played the people making that thought it was good like they were working on it to be good they had every intention of it being good doesn't mean that it ends up coming to fruition you know part of art it's like the process of making it and then also like when people get their hands on it and can receive it and can kind of decide what it is um but yeah they take a lot of shots and i think the thing is and that's why like i I wouldn't necessarily make the drake comparison i get what you're getting at there i think drake's music is better than ubisoft's games are um i think they have their portfolio they have their yeah they have their bag (laughs) and they just you know keep cranking it out as as chat mentioned millions of people love that formula and like that is true like there are there's definitely an audience for it and like when far cry came out there was that conversation of it's more far cry and some people like that and some people didn't and that was like that kind of is what it is. It's a bit of a known quantity. Like, I think the fact that every studio has its developmental and design identity to it, or, you know, we always talk about like Naughty, Go- Naughty Dog now being kind of the mature adventure place, like, you know, Insomniac being kind of very big and like movement and traversal and like that you see that across Spider-Man, you see that in Ratchet. And like, but for Ubisoft, it's like everyone always makes that comment of, oh, it's very much a Ubisoft game. And we all know what that means. And it means that I'm going to a bunch of little markers and I'm clearing areas and I'm collecting things and there's a a million things to do. And then there's, you know, maybe probably a campaign through it. So like, I I think the kind of con of this like team is that when people make that comment, it's never like about a more overarching design ethos. It's about like these sort of tropes that have existed in open world games for a long time. And they've kind of just stayed within that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really see any, no matter what they do. um, And obviously I hope they make like improvements to how they structure their team and how they treat their employees. I am hard pressed to imagine, you know, anything really changing on the games front um obviously they they are constantly are exploring like new ips and avenues and, and you know new iterations of like existing ips but i struggle to imagine seeing something like super fresh coming out of this team personally mm-hmm. i guess my complaint is less so even just about purely the freshness aspect of it because you mentioned that like million, millions of people love this formula and the thing i would say to that is millions of people love those that for that formula in the games that they like Right, you like that formula in Assassin's Creed because Assassin's Creeds come out and they're they're good for the most part. Far do, you Cry, remember, do you remember Roller Champions? That's what I was I was about to bring that up, but like, in, but before I even get to that, right? Far Cry Six that is a that is a franchise that has cemented itself and it and it knows what it is and it is what it is and that's 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 not going to be for some people, but that's going to be for a lot of other people, right? My complaints are less with the Assassin's Creeds and the Far Cries because those hit. My complaint is more so with the the games that ha- that come out have that same formula and then just completely like come and go. Like again, I bring up X Defiant. I bring up, and I know these are more these are more like shooters, and this is about more about their um their transition to like the free to play stuff, right? But like X Defiant, uh, this Division Heartland game that got that got uh, delayed just now. Where is Skull and Bones? Where is Roller Champions? I got so many questions in terms of Ubisoft games that have been announced that are the quote-unquote new and fresh ideas or are, at the very least, taking something that they've done before or a license that that they've worked with before and trying to add a twist on it and then just either don't come out or they come out and they get... They they come out and they get play for a day and then they're they're gone, right? Or they come out and they're just not good. Again, I look back at Hyperscape where it's like a, hey, this was your Battle Royale game. This is Ubisoft's version of the Battle Royale game that was supposed to go up against the Apex Legends and the War Zones and all these things of the world. And it came out and like everything else just passed it, right? It came out and just wasn't good. It wasn't ready. It could not compare to anything else. And like, I don't know. I think, I, I, I do think there is a shift that needs to be made in the way that Ubisoft tackles that stuff. Like, it seems like this shift isn't working out for them in terms of the, hey, we do want to, ta- we do want to tackle this free to play stuff. We do want to lean into this. Or, or maybe it is a growing pains thing. Maybe after the fifth game that they put out, that's not gonna that's not gonna be up to par. Maybe the sixth one get it gets it, and maybe that's where they start to find that footing. I don't know. Either way, I don't feel like they're they're hitting it right now, at least with that stuff. Where's yeah, Beyond Good and Evil Two? Ubisoft. <laughs> where is I it? I feel like that's not gonna be good. By the way, like I've never trust. Like maybe it will be. Like I know people love that IP, but I just 
I don't feel good about it. I don't know. Janet, you know what I feel good about? Patreon.com slash kind of funny games where people can go to get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about this episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Flu season is in full swing, and let me tell you, being properly hydrated makes a huge difference. That's why I use Liquid IV to stay hydrated and support a strong immune system with delicious flavors like watermelon, strawberry, and lemon lime. I've been using Liquid IV for years. I absolutely love it. It helps me stay hydrated when you're feeling a little hungover, or even if you just kind of feel a little groggy. This is the best way to get hydrated fast. Liquid IV uses cellular transport technology, which is a very fancy way of saying it contains the perfect balance of vitamins to help you hydrate quicker. Grab your favorite liquid IV flavors nationwide at Walmart, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code KFGD at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you get better hydration today using the promo code KFGD at liquidiv.com. That's L-I-Q-U-I-D-I-V.com with the promo code KFGD. Next up, shout out to DoorDash. We're getting close to the holiday season and things are bound to get a little hectic soon. Why not give yourself one less thing to worry about? Get dinner covered with DoorDash. Along with the restaurants you love, you can now get groceries and other essentials delivered with DoorDash. You can get drinks, snacks, and other household items in under an hour. I love DoorDash. I've been using it for so long and it's just great to not have to worry about stuff, be able to order food and have it delivered just straight to me. Uh, a fun fact, one of my best friends uh, just had his baby shower last week and I decided a great gift would be get him a DoorDash gift card. For a limited time, you guys can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code GAMES2021. That's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code GAMES2021. Don't forget that's code GAMES2021, G-A-M-E-S. 2021 for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. And finally, shout out to DraftKings, the killer crossovers, the nothing but net jumpers, the tenacious throwdowns. Ladies and gentlemen, basketball is back. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is celebrating the return to the hardwood by giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's really exciting. Score big and you can score big cash. And with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes it's the perfect time to show off your basketball iq DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want download the DraftKings app now and use promo code kfgd this week new customers can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes all you got to do is enter promo code kfgd to get a free shot at millions in total prizes with your first deposit that's code kfgd only at DraftKings. DraftKings. There's a minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Remember, promo code KFGD. So, Jan, I have an idea. What I need you to okay. do is put your mask back on. I want to okay. do a thing. I want to do a thing. Okay. And so, audio listeners are going to hear us go silent for a second. Kevin, entertain the audio listeners. Uh, they're putting on their masks. They had to remove their glasses first, so that took a second. The eyes are way more you. solid than you expect them to be. Um, and they actually, they look pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty impressed by these costumes. Not bad, you know? Yeah, they're solid. All right, great job, Kevin. Uh, Janet, what I want to do is I want to recreate the pointing meme. You know the meme where Spider-Man points at himself and he's like, oh, it's me. I know we're like technically different Spider-Man because I'm wearing the Miles Morales suit and you're wearing the Peter Parker one, but I want to do it anyway, just for the bit, just for the bit. And so we're going to point. You're this way, right? Wait, am I? Okay, hold on, hold on. Don't don't you have her costume too, though? I yeah. do have her costume. It's gonna take me forever to put that thing on, though, if I wanted to. I guess. All right. I that was gonna be if I didn't get this costume yesterday, then I would have worn that costume, and the whole bit was gonna be the pointing thing. All right. And then which Ready? which hand do I point with? Is it this one? I think it's the. Do we both use the right hand? Like this. All right, Corey Cudney, right it. Goes this way. Corey Cudney, you know what to do. Hell yeah! Hell okay. yeah! All right. Was that Masks the entirety off. of everything? Okay. Feature mask off. Oh. oh, so painful. God, why is that mask so hard to take off? Jesus. You just got to yank it. You're thinking about it too much. Like yank when I was putting it. this on earlier, <laughs> I couldn't help but to wonder 
like how difficult it is for Peter Parker every single day to put this thing on. Cause like yeah. I really had to like get my hands. I was thinking in about places. that too. But I, I was able to do it because like, you know, I've worn like dresses and stuff and it's the same shirt. Like so much of women's clothing is just pain. So I'm like, oh, I got this. Like I was able to like to do it by myself like fairly easily, but I almost yeah. I, I, I almost went to my roommate. I was almost like, hey, Michael, I need your help. Can you zip Well, the first time I did it, back? I definitely made, you know, I was very dramatic. I'm like, can, can people help me get into my suit? But yeah, I don't know how he's doing it. Or also like the, I mean, this is pretty thin material, but like, I'm like, what's the bottom of this suit like, you know, structurally? Because I'm like, it's like, you're just walking on the street basically with this thing on. Yeah. He, he has like shoes on underneath, right? He he must be wearing shoes. I mean, under his there costume, are some right? iterations where he has like just straight up shoes on. Yeah, but like, and then he's using all hand strength because then then he can't stand on like the side of a building and stick to it. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Is if he's yeah. wearing shoes, he can't use his feet to climb. But then yeah. in the Spider-Man games, he's literally running on the side yeah, of the building. He's just straight up like well, that's, like, that's, that's fucking momentum. Guys. You know, I saw someone okay, though fair. like do um. A half mar- like during my half marathon they were running for like a cause i forgot what the cause was they had like a shirt and like a flag and stuff and they were running with no shoes on straight out barefoot oh, half no. marathon oh, oh my god crazy person. and they i think they were faster than me too so i'm like damn that's crazy maybe they're onto something maybe no, they're the definitely one that's not. wear shoes <laughs> it's the shoes weighing it's, me it's, down guys it's really really bad to not wear like the like pro uh properly supportive shoes you i my really favorite i saw a tweet the uh, the other day that was it was, like there was some like i think uh like politician or whatever who was like oh like human beings aren't meant to wear masks like evolution uh, like where we've oh, been evolved us, to be yeah. able to breathe through our natural mouths and then somebody somebody replied to it and was like do you wear shoes and i i saw yeah. that and i started laughing yeah. i was like damn that's a really, good, really, response. Good. That's also, a really now, good response now that we've acknowledged that we are spider-man um people were like oh like janet should have been gwen that would have been so good the reason i wasn't gwen because we had this discussion too is because we were gonna wear this for ps i love you and even though i do i would assume that at some point gwen's gonna show up in the spider-man games like until that happens it, i want it to be like in reference of like the spider-man games on yeah like, playstation yeah, that was the thing. I, it was a tough decision too, because I was like, "Oh, if I'm if I'm Miles and you're Gwen, that can make we can make fun of Greg and talk about him being Peter B. Parker." But that just wouldn't line up with the Spider-Man games, which is what we yeah. want to reference here. Even though, like, I'm the the sigil I have on my costume is more from like the Into the Spider Verse more so than the games. But even still, even still, yeah, you, yes, get, you get what I mean. You get what it is. Uh, one more thing on the Spider-Man thing. That by the way, we're doing Spider-Man rewatch in review. And one of the things I noticed during the movies that bothered me a lot after I tried on my Spider-Man costume was in one of the scenes in Spider-Man 1 in the parade scene, uh, when he needs to, like, but turn into Spider-Man, basically, he does, like, the Superman thing of opening his chest and revealing his costume. And mm-hmm. that doesn't work unless his, like, unless he has gloves on. Because, like, that was my, I wanted to do the same thing. I was like, oh, I want to do that bit. I want to wear my Spider-Man costume in chat. Don't, nobody tell anybody else who's on that interview because I might figure a way to do this. But I was like, I want to wear my costume under uh, my button-up and then, like, reveal midway through that I'm wearing a Spider-Man costume. But the problem I ran into was, like, hey, it's a onesie. <laughs> like, I can't, I, I, I would have to chop off the hands uh, in order to actually make that work. Conf- well, confused me. I didn't like I mean, it. I wish, That's after I Halloween, wish- though. I wish these had were just like really tight gloves instead because you really can't use your hands at all. What? Yeah. In this. Why not bummer. put a slit by your wrist, like cut it, and then make it so you can take it on and off. Because then it won't be form fitting in the same way. Like it'll lose all of its like shape. All right. We got four more news stories in this Roper Report. We're running late yeah. in the show. Story number three, Resident Evil Village is to get free DLC. This is from Capcom. I'm pulling from Wesley Yinpool at Eurogamer. Resident Evil Village will get free DLC, Capcom has said. Confirmation comes from a company report, which adds Monster Hunter Rise uh, is also, which adds Monster Hunter Rise is also set for free DLC. Quote, Further, we will drive our customer management to, to understand the playing trends and preferences of users while also building a business model for online operations, taking into account the situation of our free additional DLC for titles such as Monster Hunter Rise and Resident Evil Village, end quote. It's no surprise to see Capcom intends to release DLC for Resident Evil Village, given it's sold over 5 million copies since launching in May. But it's nice to hear free DLC is in the mix. Janet, are you going to play some of that RE8 free DLC that drops? 
I'll be honest, probably not. That's not because I didn't like RE Village because I, I thought it was pretty good, but I'm just not huge into going back to DLC. It's very rare to get me back. Uh, a couple have, but I have to like really be into the game or maybe want to do it for a specific piece of content. However, this does make me wonder, um, what's up with that? Like, do we have any news on that multiplayer? Like, that got Yeah, Reverse. Like, where's it's that It's coming at? out next year, I think. I think that was the last we've heard I'm of I'm a little it. surprised to see like this get like... They're like, oh, by the way, we have this, and here you go. And then, like, to have Ariverse kind of still be, you know, in the in the, in the e ether. floating around the ether. So, um, but yeah, what about you? Are you gonna dip into this? Depends on what it is. I'm not a I'm not a DLC person. Usually, DLC. I'm I'm by the time DLC comes out, usually I'm like I'm already on to the next one. I'm not thinking about this game anymore. But if it is a cool contained, uh, like, do you think it'll be uh, a new area, or do you think it'll be a continuation of like other um kind of areas that we've explored already? I assume it'll be similar to our RE7's DLC, which I remember talking to Imran about that because I hadn't played that DLC either. Um, and the way that Imran described it was like, hey, these are like, you know, their own set story pieces or whatever. And they, they sound cool. The way Imran was describing the RE7 DLC, those sounded dope as hell. Uh, and so like, if this is something that feels, that is like a two hour, hey, here's a contained horror experience that is like um, House, I always forget what it's called, like Beviento or whatever it's called. Um, House of Benevito, I think. Benevito. If if it's so. if it's one of those or like something that feels like another here's another area that is doing its own take on a style of horror, I could be into that. If it's if it's cool, if people love it, then it I could might be fun. I did it. dip into the like when they had you know I, I mentioned them, I probably wouldn't go back, but when they had those like um not it wasn't a demo, but basically it was like every weekend they had like one area and then another area and then they like combined the two. I like played all of those, so maybe maybe that is worth checking out. Uh, let's continue talking about Capcom with story number four. Pragmata, which we talked about on PS Love You, uh, development is making steady progress, says Capcom. This is from Hyren Cryer at Games Radar. Pragmata is making, quote, steady progress in development, according to Capcom. Just earlier today, on October 29th, Capcom published their annual report reflecting back on 2021 as a whole, including looking to the future in 2022 and beyond. As part of the look forward, uh, executive corporate officer Yoichi Igawa commented briefly on Pragmata, maintaining that, quote, we are making steady progress on its development, end quote. Pragmata was first announced back in 2020 during a PlayStation-hosted event for the PS5 called The Future of Gaming. There's not a whole lot to go on about Capcom's new title, aside from the fact that it is a new-gen exclusive for the PS5, Xbox Series X, and Xbox Series S. Pragmata's debut trailer featured a futuristic astronaut and a young girl exploring a deserted cityscape before an object came hurtling through the sky itself, which was revealed to be nothing more than a giant screen. Pragmata has been shrouded in mystery ever since, but will apparently launch in 2023. That was one of the things that somebody hit me up about uh, after episode of PS Lovey. There was like a, a CES report that came out early in the year. I want to say like January that I completely, completely forgot about, about how I think there was like a, a small detail in a video or like in a press release or something that um, Pragmata was coming out in 2023 instead of 2022, which I don't know if they ever followed up and confirmed. Kind of fun.com slash you're wrong if you have additional info on that. But uh, yeah, like th this is one that I still want to uh, know more about. It's nice that they they mentioned it because I think that's a good that's a good sign in terms of hey we're not this isn't this isn't something that we stopped working on we're sweeping under under the rug this is something that is still in active development and so looking forward to that story number five Crafton acquires Subnautica developer Unknown Worlds this is Kenneth Shepard at Fanbyte. Crafton, the holding company behind PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, is acquiring Subnautica developer Unknown Worlds. The company announced as much on its website, where it confirmed Unknown Worlds would be joining the likes of PUBG Studios, Bluehole Studio, and Rising Wings as part of Crafton's stable of studios. According to the announcement, the studios will maintain its structure to, quote, retain its unique creative identity, end quote, and is working on a new genre-defining defi game that will launch in early access next year. The announcement doesn't say much, uh, or doesn't say how much money Crafton spent acquiring Unknown Worlds. Quote, Unknown Worlds are incredibly skilled and passionate developers with an unparalleled gift for creativity and a proven track record of building successful player-driven worlds, says Crafton CEO C.H. Kim in a statement. Quote, Crafton will spare no effort in helping them. Not only do they enhance our development capabilities, but we share a goal of creating unique experiences for global audiences, end quote. Uh, quote, it was immediately apparent how closely Unknown Worlds and Crafton are aligned in the way we think about games and game development, Unknown Worlds CEO Charlie Cleveland says. Uh, Charlie Cleveland continues, Subnautica and PUBG both started humbly and evolved successfully through uh, constant iteration and feedback. We want to bring new games to the world stage, and with Crafton, we're a big step closer. We're truly looking forward to our bright uh, future together, end quote. Uh, 
Unknown World's latest game was this year's Subnautica Below Zero, which came to Mac, PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X slash S back in May. The open world survival game was the sequel to 2018 Subnautica. Both games will continue to receive updates as Unknown Worlds is developing its next original game. Janet, does this do anything for you? Um, not necessarily. Uh, again, like Subnautica, I haven't spent like a lot of time with, but I do think you know, what I always say with these acquisitions, like, I just hope that, you know, it ends up being the best for the team that got acquired. Uh, obviously, you would assume that they go into these deals because they're good for the team and that there's something that they're excited about. So um, I just hope this leads to, you know, as it kind of mentions them having, you know, more resources and ways to like explore uh, what they're passionate to dig into development wise. Hell yeah. Yeah, I know plenty of people who love Subnautica. Uh, and Crafton is an interesting one to follow because that is that uh, the, the PUBG company, essentially. Uh, and they seem they seem like they've been wanting to slowly expand more and more. And so, like, them acquiring a studio isn't a surprise to any means, by any means. But um, them acquiring this studio, I think, is, is just interesting in terms of what these studios are good at. Because, you know, PUBG, we look at as, you know, that is the Battle Royale game. That was the one that kind of kicked off the bigger trend right didn't invent battle royale but did kind of bring it to a new audience and, and led to things like fortnite and other bigger battle royales following their footsteps um blue, you know blue hole rise um uh, uh rising wings which i don't think i'm familiar with uh, uh rising wings as much but it seems like the studios they've been acquiring have been the studios that are focused on maintaining more of the like live platform service games right like these are games that we want to expand expand on uh with like updates that add new areas or add new elements or add new systems like these big systems games that people get into and they get lost in and so i would assume that's a fit by by that means but you know it's one that i i, I continue to like keep an eye on as they keep on growing and expanding because i want to know like i want to know especially what is player unknown's big story game that he's working on like that's something that always that always strikes me as a oh man i want to know more about that because that sounds really interesting but good on you crafting for the acquisition Last news story for you, story number six. Banjo-Kazooie's composer has released a full album of remixed music. This is Chris Skolian at Video Games Chronicle. The composer of Banjo-Kazooie has released a new remix album offering modern takes on its soundtrack. Grant Kirkhope's score for the original N64 release was critically acclaimed for its typically rare-esque jaunty nature. Now, Kirkhope has revisited it, his 1998 soundtrack with his new album, Banjo-Kazooie Rejiggied. The 10-track the album includes reimagined takes on such themes as Spiral Mountain, Mumbles Mountain, uh, Treasure Trove Cove, and Freeze Easy Peak. The album can currently be found on Spotify, Deezer, YouTube Music, and Apple Music. This is one that I included mainly for me. I love Grant Kirkhope. I love his music. Uh, uh, the, the, like him and david wise in that era of like rare music for me they're like top tier in terms of w what they were doing in that compo composition space and so like shout out to this i listened to a little bit uh, of it today and i i absolutely love stuff like this like janet for you one does this do anything for you and then two if if you could have one of your favorite soundtracks recomposed or remixed by the composer do you have a pick for that um, yeah, one, it does, it does do something for me. I retweeted this as soon as I saw it, because I was very excited. I'm also a big Grant Kirkhope fan, and, like, Banjo-Kazooie's music, that is, like, the game screen you don't skip. Not only is the song amazing, mm. but also, like, the animations that go along with it are highly charming. Uh, for me, the soundtrack that I would love to have on Spotify and available, whether it's, like, the original or a remix, would be the, um, Yoshi's Island music. Uh, I listen to that like, like if I am listening to video game music, that's one I regularly go to. But I have to go to YouTube because Nintendo has like none of their stuff on Spotify or anywhere else, which I'm you know, I think there's a lot of other layers for like why that stuff doesn't happen as often with like composition and who earns royalties and all these other issues. Um, but I really would love to see more game music on platforms, uh, ideally, you know, with also people being paid and credited properly uh, for those songs because there's like a huge audience for that. And I think um, people have really been paying attention to video game music a lot more in recent histories. So hopefully this is like the first of at least some more people doing this kind of thing, but uh, we'll see. I'm not really sure like what the, you know, legality behind the scenes was of him even putting this out there. Uh, maybe we'll see some articles and some uh, stories, you know, surface based on this alone. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna listen to it. Uh, again, I love that soundtrack a lot. It's really good. Yeah, I'm all about it. I would love if he did. This is, I know, Farfetch'd just because Banjo Kazooie is way more of the uh, revered game between the two. But DK64, I would love because oh he, he composed that as well. And that's one that that soundtrack is just ingrained to my brain. So I would love if he did it, did that one as well. But like other picks, I would have. It, it's funny because Celeste came to mind, but Celeste kind of already had that because they had the B side levels, which 
uh, those levels were basically remixed compositions of the original levels. And so um, uh, Lena Rain, the, the composer for that game, would bring in other artists to essentially remix her music to put into the game, which I always thought was a really cool idea. And I would love to see more stuff like that, too. I think that would be dope. Um, you know, Nier Automata is another one that I think of. Like, I just I just love... Uh, I, I love any sort of remix music, right? Like, the... Um, whatchamacallit? There, there is, like, a company that puts out a lot of uh, remixed albums from other, I think it's Game Chops. Is it Game Chops? I think it's Game Chops that I'm thinking of. Maybe. That puts out like a lot of remixed music that artists will come to them to actually put out and publish onto these streaming platforms. And I'm always like on on that shit because, yeah, I love it so much. And so go get him, Grant Kirkhope, and uh, do DK64 just for me. Janet, I can't wait for Grant Kirkhope to eventually remix DK64, but that's just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got Dollhouse for Switch, Panorama Cotton for PS4 and Switch, Mario Party Superstars for Switch, Koton 100% for Switch, Ghosts and Apples for Switch, Holy Cow Milking Simulator for Switch, no. which if we had more time, we would for sure be watching the trailer for that, but we don't have no. time. Shinrai Broken Beyond Despair for Switch, Halloween Snowball Bubble for Switch, PJ Masks Hero of the Night for Switch, and then Horror and Adventure Pinball for Switch. Janet, remember that people can go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where they can write in and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong, so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash games and on podcast services around the globe. And Janet, I see that you're in, you're in this too. Are my eyes deceiving me, or do we have no you're wrongs? There's no you're wrong. Wow. There's not even a you're wrong. That's not even a you're wrong. It's just like a clarification, which we get those a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Flawless victory. That worries me because that makes me think that this, the spreadsheet is broken. Because I was looking at chat as we're uh, uh, talking for some of these new stories. And let me tell you, chat took some issues with some of the things we said. But apparently we didn't get anything factually wrong. Just opinionated, opinion, opinions are wrong out here. You know what I mean? I think we're good. Works for me. Great. Works for me. Janet, thank you so much for hosting with me on this Friday. Of course, it's Friday, which means that you have a whole week coming up. A week with new hosts. Uh, uh, next week's hosts look like this. On Monday, you're getting me and Tim. Tuesday, you're getting Tim and Gary with a question mark. <laughs> Wednesday, you're getting me and Andy. Thursday, you're getting Tim and Tam for Tim Tam Thursdays. And on Friday, it's me and Janet back at it like a bad habit. If you're watching this live on Twitch, get hyped because after this, it's some Mario Party superstars to determine who will win the title of CEO of Kind of Funny. If you want to watch that stream later, you can, of course, subscribe to youtube.com slash kindoffunnyplays. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>